0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. How's everybody doing this morning? Y'all good? Why y'all looking all gloomy and all that? Somebody hit their neighbor and give them a high five or do something. All right. Well, look, we got our, we got our face in the place for Palm Sunday or whatever. Let me get my little palm branches over here and stuff. All right. And we got Ty in the building, you know what I'm saying? Can we give it up for Ty, you know what I'm saying? Got the girls with her. They've been in Atlanta doing their thing. We happy to have them back, you know, down in Jacksonville and all that stuff. We love y'all. We always miss y'all. You already know what it is we miss most definitely most definitely all right let's get into it this morning so if you um have your bibles with you or if you have your phones because half of us you know you know how to go we're going to be inside of john 12 today and we're going through verse um 12 to verse 6 19 and it's palm sunday so you probably know we're going to be taking on the entrance of jesus coming into jerusalem for passover right And we're here for, you know, the tradition of Palm Sunday, right? Something that the church does every single year. And uh, I'm hoping to give us a new light on this thing and that we can see it from different eyes, right? I'm going to take it slow on this text, so y'all be patient with me if I take a couple breaks as I'm moving through it. Uh, Let me read the text for you, right? Y'all ready? So the text says this, verse 12, it says, the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blesses he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written. And the 15 says, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Look, the world has gone out after him. So that's our text for the day, right? I'm going to preach this and I'm going to actually jump back a couple, couple verses because I'm going to go to, I'm gonna go to uh, verse 9, right? Because I want you to get the context of this thing. So it says, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account for him, but also to see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus, right? so that's our stage that's our context right Jesus is coming into town for the Passover right the Passover is this feast it's an eight-day Jewish celebration right and people you know their families come and they come to Jerusalem and they are celebrating um the Israel's past from slavery in Egypt and freedom right so that's what the celebration is and it is a huge huge it's like it's almost like for the Muslims it would be them making a Mecca kind of journey or whatever but they do this journey but the vibe is this when Jesus comes into town He just raised Lazarus from the dead. So the Pharisees, they like, yo, we got to kill homeboy because everybody is, you know what I'm saying? They feel it like their power is slipping away. They like, yo, everybody talking about this Jesus thing. We used to be the holiest thing out there. They used to be out there, the little robes and all that, you know, fake praying for people, getting gifts and everything or whatever. They had status. They had power. They had prestige. And now everybody's talking about Jesus like he might be God or something. You get where I'm coming from? And then you got Lazarus walking around, and Lazarus is on the street, died, and was raised up, right? That Jesus, this Jesus raised up Lazarus. So they're like, yo, we got to kill Jesus, and we got to kill his homeboy. You feel me? Money, power, respect. Y'all know the game, right? It's the key to life. That's what, these, that's what the Pharisees, nobody caught that. That was, nobody caught that. Anyway, I'm going to leave it alone so that's the vibe he's going into they want him dead right they want him dead lazarus was a monument to his power to god's power and everything was pointing back to this jesus the people are crazy excited they hear that he's going into town right in verse 12 it says the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast the passover they heard that jesus was coming to jerusalem heard he was coming to Jerusalem. Streets is buzzing. Everybody's talking about it, right? Josephus, who was a, uh, a writer who lived during that time, he, he said that a census once said that at any given time during Passover, there would be people coming and there would literally be, I think, like 265,000 plus lamb sacrifice. So as Jesus, just, if you just think about the whole setting, Jesus is coming into town, right? And he's probably, there's lambs probably everywhere. But there's a lamb in the mix that's different than all the other lambs. Y'all tracking with me so far? It's, it's the lamb, you know what I'm saying? The lamb of God is actually in the midst or whatever. So he's there in the midst of this. Celebration. And it's a royal event, right? Very much like this tradition is for us, right? I don't know how many of y'all came up in the church or whatever, but you know, Easter Palm Sunday, that's the that's a serious deal. You understand what I'm saying? Like I'm from New Jersey, but my family came up in the south. You know, if you're a sneaker collector, it's an unsaid sneaker war out in these streets. You don't talk about it, but when you go somewhere, you're looking at other people's sneakers like she CDs, whatever, that kind of thing, right? Or, like, Easter and, like, Palm Sunday, like, my grandma, like, they used to buy these hats. And she would have them joints sitting in the closet, like, little LED lights on them joints. They just had, like, this power. Them joints had flowers and all that. Like, it was crazy. You get what I mean? And, like, I mean, several months, she's plotting, like, right after the holiday pass, she's getting ready, and she's like, yo, I'm gonna kill them in the streets with these hats or whatever, like, she wouldn't say it like that, but I knew her heart was a little boastful with it, because when they got to church, you know what I'm saying, all the grandmas, it was a war, they come in with their hat, like, and it's like, the bigger that joint was, it was like, you won, you know what I'm saying, and so you had to stand up doing service if you want to see the pastor, but I'm saying it's a monumental day, right? It's a tradition, but traditions can be dangerous, right? Because if you just go with the fluff and all the lights, camera, action, you can miss the heart. What is the tradition actually for? What are we supposed to really be seeing, right? Is it just a tradition? No, we just need to be in church or whatever and this and that, and you know what I'm saying, and there's more going on in that. And in this very scenario that we're talking about, this situation that happened all these thousands of years ago, people are right there in the middle of this tradition and they are missing something happen they are missing the real lamb inside of the crowd y'all with me so far jesus is coming in and he comes in on the donkey let me go ahead with some of this more of this text he says he says so the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast to the passover they heard that jesus was coming to jerusalem and the people are so hype about jesus coming it says so they took the branch branches of palm trees and went out to meet him crying out Hosanna, blessed is he who, who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, right? So he comes into town sitting on a donkey. Y'all with me so far? And they are celebrating him. People are waving branches around. Let me get my branches real quick. I never have props or whatever. I never have props. I'm about to step in my game up today. It's Palm Sunday, whatever. It's tradition. So they got the branches, boom, waving their hands. they like, hip-hop, hooray, whatever they're doing, right? But seriously, they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And even in the, the king of Israel, right? they like, they, they are worshiping him or whatever, right? Let me tell you what these words actually mean, because it brings so much light to the fact that they're actually missing it. it, it, it so, so it comes from a Hebrew word, yasha, which means deliver and save, and honor, which means beg and beseech. So they are literally saying... I beg you, save us. They're saying save us, right? That's what they're saying. It reminds me of church so much, right? But Because we, we can worship Jesus, but completely miss him with our heart. Y'all with me so far? They're they, they saying the right thing. They're saying the right thing. Y'all with me? They're like, yo, save us. We believe. We heard about the miracles you did. But somehow they're still missing it. Right? See, you you have people who think the only salvation they actually need in life is from somebody else. Right? Man, I love going to my counselor complaining about my wife. I'd be like, yo, let me tell you what she's doing, man, how she's mistreating me. And every time he flips that thing over on me, and he'd be like, homie, you you the jacked up selfish one. I'm like, what do you mean, bro? I didn't pay you for that. What are you doing? You understand what I mean? I think I need to be saved from somebody else, but the the look in the mirror ain't, ain't happening, right? Or maybe or whatever, we just think we need salvation from practical stuff. None of this stuff isn't true. Sometimes we do need to be saved out of clutches of the press or whatever, right? That's biblical. That's godly too, right? Sometimes we do need deliverance from practical issues. I got some bills that need deliverance right now. You understand where I'm coming from? But Palm Sunday, what was happening there, what Jesus was in the middle of that, is something greater than anybody could conceive, right? Right? And it's not just a generalization. It's not just a generalization to say that they were actually missing it. Because when Jesus even sat with Peter and his own disciples and told them, yo, I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be brutalized for the glory of God. They're like, nah, yo, none of that. Even they couldn't grasp it. It was still still covered to him, right? Let me tell you what Jesus says when he rides into town. Luke 19, 41 through 42 says this. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. So as he rolls into the celebration, he's also carrying this grief celebration has to happen because it's been prophesied in the old testament and if it's in the book it's going to come through and it's going to come true you get where i'm coming from so what is happening he even says if they don't do it the stone's going to start worshiping and jumping out because he is the king he is the son of god and it has to happen but it doesn't mean that the actors in the play even know what they actually are doing god forbid that be what is true for our church right that we stand so close to Jesus and we end up missing it. Just going to church through tradition. Just doing it because, you know, it's the American way you go to church, right? Or maybe it's the way you're patriotic. If you're going to be patriotic and be American or whatever, then you need to be nationalistic or whatever, and you need to go to church and you need to mount to absolutely nothing, right? We see this. All through, the pipe, all through the Bible, people who are this close but miss it. The disciples, they're right next to Jesus, and they miss it, right? They still, in their self-righteousness and their pride, they thought they were better than they were, right? We know about Peter denying Jesus, right? Everybody knows that story, right? But if you read, it says all the disciples took off. This whole squad abandoned them. But if you would have asked them, They were ride or die to the bitter end. Jesus, I'm going to be with you forever, man. You know, you're going to have to kill me. Pry my hands, my dead hands off of you, Jesus. They was out. You understand what I'm saying? Going in the wind. You understand? So many of the people in the crowd were similar to that. They They just didn't get it, right? Everybody was there. Everybody was hyped streets, word is popping. Jesus is it right now, right? TMZ is following around everywhere, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever. Josephus and them is like, yo, man, this guy, let's get him, whatever. You know what I'm saying? They're everywhere. The Pharisees on his back. They got spies watching them. Everything is buzzing around this Jesus. And some people are just caught up in the hype. A lot of people in American church are deconstructing right now because they saw a lot of whackness or whatever. And some of us who are taking a really good look in the mirror, we deconstructing because we like... I got caught up in the hype. I actually missed the real Jesus. And we, after being in church for years, churching for so long, are having this. Now that I see him clearly, do I really want to follow the real Jesus? Because it's not as glamorous and bright and shiny as I thought it was, right? He looks cool when he's coming into town and the crowds are going crazy, but he don't look cool when he up on the cross bleeding. Y'all with me so far? Can somebody say, ouch? Okay. Let's look at this proximity to Jesus and people missing it, right? I'm going to read to you Luke 7 real fast. It's kind of a long story, y'all bear with me, right? It says, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. Mind you, remember the Pharisees, they want this guy dead or whatever, but they still got him at the table because he's still popping or whatever, right? And so they're trying to see what it is. And it says, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, bought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he gave and he said to him, you judge rightly. Then turning towards the towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I enter your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loves much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Somebody in the room missed who they were standing next to. And somebody didn't. Y'all with me? Somebody missed it. They're at the table chilling with them and they don't know who Jesus is. It's a problem we have in church. It's a problem we have in America. We love Jesus on the Hallmark card or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Brad pitted out. Blue eyes, hair blowing in the breeze or whatever and all that, right? We draw them up and make them have what we want them to meet. We don't care about historical facts, narratives, none of that stuff. Jesus, we need you to be this thing for us. We need you to look the way we want you to look. We need you to fix what we want you to fix. Some of us just want Jesus to be an exclamation point on how righteous and holy we actually are. Right? Jesus proves I got it right and they got it wrong. Look how wrong those people got it. They judge this woman when she comes in the room, but they don't know that Jesus showed he's he's there for her, and she's there for him. God has graced her to know whose presence she's in. And Jesus is there to lavish her with his love, with his mercy, and with his forgiveness. She understood the assignment, right? Jesus tells he says, if you lose your life, you will gain it. Try to save it, you'll lose it. This whole idea of trying to do this two-step where we just try to make Jesus fit into our story and our narrative for our benefit is not it. Following Jesus requires some dying to our flesh, right? Or else we're just going to be people at the party or whatever waving our palms back and forth and completely missing it God is so merciful and graceful when I first got saved I'm gonna be honest with you I missed it and God sanctified me through his mercy and began to open my eyes but I honestly thought when I got saved I was like we about to get this bag we about to get rich I just I don't know what that you know my upbringing I don't know what it was but I that's what I'm like God is about to it's about to be crazy I've been out here grinding on the wrong thing. Now I'm about to start doing some good. He's about to make everything go through the roof. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I literally was like, that was my, that was where my theology was at. But I was at a place where I was dying and willing to follow Jesus, but I was missing. I was waving the palm branches for the wrong reason, right? Contentment in Christ Jesus. God don't owe us nothing. We wave the palm branches because he's wiped our sins away. He don't got to do nothing. He don't got to cover no bill. He don't got to fix nothing. He don't got to do nothing. We've already received the eternal gift through Christ Jesus that is beyond any what any eye can see, what any ear can hear, can even comprehend or understand. We are already filthy rich on our first day because he has given us an eternal promise through his son, Jesus. Our salvation rests in that. And it's done by grace, not because we are good, but because it is a gift from God. I have no idea why he saved me. I have no idea why he saved you. But by his grace and mercy, something that's bigger and beyond all of us, he's done it if you're a child of God. When we wave our palm branches, we wave it because of the grace and his mercy, because of what he's done for us, not what we think he's going to do for us, what he's going to fix for us and all that. He's fixed it all already. You understand? Y'all with me so far? That's an amen. Come on now. Come on. Y'all wake up. Verse 15 says this. It says, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. He comes into town, humble, lowly. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He doesn't come in on a tank. He doesn't come in on a Clydesdale horse, doing that little horse trot, the little horses. You know the little sideways step they do? I ain't even gonna try to do it because if somebody catches on video, it's over for me, all right? I already can't dance as it is or whatever and stuff. I ain't gonna do it, so. But anyway, you know, do, he did come in sideways stepping with the little horse doing the little two-step or whatever. And, you know what I mean, he didn't come in on a cherry, he didn't come in in a Bentley coupe, he didn't come in with a horse and wagon with the bulletproof glass room in it, kind of waving at everybody. He didn't do none of that. Came in on a donkey. Came in on a donkey. Humble and low. Right? God forbid we miss it. We have to ask ourselves, all right, we still here? All right, y'all hear me? Y'all still coming through? Okay, all right. But we have to ask ourselves, who do you want to ride into town? Right? Who do you want to ride into town? Let me read something to you. It's Luke 18, 9 through 14. Y'all heard me read this a million times because I love this text. It sobers me says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like these other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Just think about that. Imagine a church like ours being inside of a community like Brentwood, and this being our posture in our heart. That we stand in a community full of people who are going through hard things, right? often neglected by our city, often missed on when people dream about our city and what it could be. This, this part of town just seems to get overlooked. I believe the church is a pivotal part in responding to that. I believe churches, are, I believe that's what God had in, plan, had in mind when he formed the church. Our salvation by grace and by mercy, but it says he saved us to do good works. That's loving each other inside of this room, but that love spilling out of the building all into the neighborhood, all into the community. Loving people, giving grace and mercy the way that we received it and didn't deserve it to people that society may deem don't deserve it either. It has nothing to do with deserve. It has everything to do with what Jesus did on the cross and what he mirrored for us, right? But imagine us standing inside of a neighborhood and thinking That we are so good and posturing ourselves like, thank you, Lord, that we are not like these people or those people or our neighbors. That's a dead church. Pharisees were dead. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. They believe in their times that when you touch the tomb that it was, it could be like a curse almost or whatever, right? But he's like, they're like these clean looking tombs. But when people touch them or come near them, they end up dead just like them. Our American church done racked up a lot of bodies. A lot of people done touched it and then made them dead. God forbid we be that kind of church. God forbid that we miss Jesus, right? Let me read the next part of this right here. Verse 13 says, and so so we just looked at it. The Pharisees in the temple, he's he's... He's running his resume before God, how awesome he is. God, I think not that how God, God, awesome God is, how God he is, how awesome he is, how God he is. I guess that works. Anyway, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. The Pharisee was looking for God to affirm his self-righteousness, right? He ultimately sees himself as his own savior, right? So the Pharisee can't stand on the side waving the palm branches. He's waving them for himself because Jesus is a threat. He's a threat to his power. He's a threat to his righteousness because when we stand before Jesus, his it's head's bow. Right? His head's bow. His head is too high. His head is too high. The tax collector, in contrast to the Pharisee, has taken that long, sobering look in the mirror and can't come up with any righteousness. He needs for a savior to ride in the town. Right? Not a celebrity. He needs a savior. Paul says it best when he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Who will deliver me? Paul. It's Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament. His posture, what fuels him, is not religiosity. He's not a writer because he's awesome and he's good. None of that. He has a well of life pouring out of him. But that well is fueled by his own brokenness in Christ as a savior. You understand? Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? That's not cute at all. We don't play that in America or whatever, right? You got to get your stuff or whatever, you know, you go to anthropology, whatever store you shop in, get your stuff looking right, and we dress it all up to look like we are whole and we got it all together and we need to look like money and we need to have it all together. I, I don't got energy for it. I don't got it together. I don't have it together like that. I don't have it together like that. The church is not meant to be some kind of model of pretending it's not supposed to be somewhere where we walk in the room and we have to now live in the torture that we may be in our workplace or corporate america or in our jobs where we have to perform really really well to be accepted by everybody that's not what the church is supposed to be if it has to be that then classism elitism all racism all of these th- things are going to thrive and be propelled in the midst of us because we have all of these worldly checks and balances. But not the humility, not the neediness that God feels, right? And makes it so he's the only one to talk about in the midst of us. You get where I'm coming from? Y'all with me so far? In James 4, he says this, says this right here James 4 he says come near to God and he will come near to you says wash your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded it says grieve mourn and well change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up so here he gives us a process and a recipe to be lifted up and experience true joy but what he says first is, stop playing the games. Take the happy face off. Take the plastered face that you think you have to carry and walk with and move with and groove with, and it's your green light car to move into the new job. Like, hey, everything's great. Yes, just, I'm just so happy to be here. I just want to be here today and be with y'all and be in your company. Shut up. <laughs> you want to be at the crib watching Netflix, chilling, all right? society arrests us to be these things but he's like no change your laughter the morning and your joy to gloom that's that long look in the mirror stop moving with your tank filled up with all of this fake stuff slow down and look in the mirror and it's okay by the grace of god to look in the mirror and find yourself broken needy coming up short We ain't got the energy to be super dads, to be super moms, to be super pastors, to be super single, to be super in a relationship, to be... Jesus is willing to fill in every aspect of our life where we fall short. He says his burden is light. All the bags we gotta carry all the time, we can put them down. And maybe the culture out there, but just for us, church, as for us, God forbid that we're not the kind of community that allows everybody to put put their bags down, right? I say this because people may say, man, you did an awesome sermon today or whatever. We just preached the tradition of Palm Sunday. But I don't want us in the crowd waving palms and missing it. Celebrating the wrong Jesus, right? When Jesus draws into town, when he's coming through, we're going to be beating on our chest. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me, Father. And he's bringing mercy, right? This is what Jesus was grieving. What he was grieving is that they didn't, they didn't know who was coming through. He's like, yo, you don't even know what's about to happen to y'all. He's like, I'm, I'm coming with the goods and you, you don't even see it. I'm coming with an eternal promise. I'm coming up something. You, you think you just need some practical, thing, practical things fixed. I'm coming to handle an eternal problem. I'm coming to swallow up death. And there's not one person in this room or whatever that we don't got to face that. I'm coming to swallow up death, right? They missed it. It's James 4. Change your laughter to the morning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Don't stand in the temple trying to run your resume off to him. Don't stand in the temple running all your arts against everybody else to him. Look at yourself in the mirror, right? Humble yourself, and it says he will lift us up. This is the promise of Jesus Christ. He comes to save us. He dies on the cross. He lays on the cross, and God releases his wrath because we serve a holy God. God is holy. He is a judge. And so he will judge sin, but he puts that judgment on Jesus Christ. That's why he is the lamb of all lambs in the midst of this Passover crowd. He's not just another lamb in the crowd. He is the lamb of God. He is the king of kings, and he dies to save us all from our sins. And it is a gift for God. He says that we are saved by grace, not by our own works, but it is a a gift of God, right, that we would have salvation. So today, that's why we wave palms in the air, right? We're going to do worship right now. And while we worship, I only brought four palms, so I'm not going to pass them out at all even though it would have been a really good thing to do i don't know maybe it would have been corny i don't know we're gonna gonna leave it alone but yo use your hands and palms all right matter of fact put your palms in the air all right put your palms in the air and and put them up there like you just don't care and and worship the king for who he is right worship him for who he is worship him for what he's already done all right all right church i love y'all